It was the go-home show for Uncensored 1999. You listen to them talk WCW Nitro? Now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olsen. That's me. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Hello, 83 Weeks fans, and welcome to your show, the show that is just for you. We all love 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff just as much as you do. We are about to break down this week's latest episode about uh, Monday Nitro from March 8th, 1999. And we are also going to have the man himself, Eric Bischoff, Skyping in to answer all of your questions. And we want to thank you guys for coming to hang out with us tonight. The chat roll is already rolling. Michael, Teddy, RJ, everybody's here tonight. Make sure you guys are getting your questions prepared for Eric. And uh, joining me tonight, as per usual, you know him as Eric's digital producer. Hello, Steve Kaufman. Why, hello. I You missed it. We were doing the, the holla holla. I missed it or I was ignoring it. Probably both. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it when we kick this off with a little dance party. So show us your best moves, George Hermosa. Oomph. Is fist pumping still a thing? No. 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 Wow, Steve telling me no. You did it. You did it really well, must though. not be cool then. I, the fist pump was never cool. Okay, Sorry. You're right. You're right. <laughs> well, if you guys are still tuned in after that madness, <laughs> we want to welcome you. We do this live at 5 Pacific time on the 83 Weeks channel on Wednesday, so make sure you come and hang out with us live. Get your questions answered. And if you'd rather listen on Apple Podcasts, you can do that, too. Make sure you like, rate, and comment. Maybe hit that thumbs up button right now on YouTube because Eric is standing by and will be joining us in just a few minutes. I am dying to ask him what he thinks about Rob Gronkowski joining the WWE roster and about some other news from the weekend, of course, about this episode of Monday Nitro from March 1999, which I actually queued up and rolled back while listening to this episode so of the podcast. you watched it along with them? I did. I, I will cop to a little fast forwarding, <laughs> but I, I hit all the good points. I got the I got the Nitro Girls package. Mm. I got the Nitro Girls dance a little later <laughs> in the episode. Uh, I did definitely have to check out the Arn and Rick promo because there was so much discussion but about that. But what did you think of that? Because I remember this very, very vividly, this, this episode of Nitro, because the first hour was very unorthodox mm-hmm. and not normal to, to, to what they normally do. So I'm kind of curious, what did you think in, in maybe these days and age where everything kind of starts off with a promo and then match and then vignette promo match whatever whatever the first hour was all like backstage stuff yeah that was bad you know that was bad? <laughs> yeah it was bad okay. but no, i thought it was bad too i just was kind of but curious. for someone who's watching it 20 years later 30 years 20 years later <laughs> and who hadn't seen that rick and arn promo last week on the mm-hmm. other show you know i was interested and who did i wasn't super familiar with ac jazz who uh, I know since Eric and Conrad were just watching without the sound on, mm-hmm. I would like to correct Conrad and, and mention that she did more than teach her dogs how to sit. She told <laughs> a very heartfelt story about her father passing away when she was 10 years old. He was electrocuted to death. Very dramatic stuff there. You the captions on. You're following. <laughs> I was listening. I, this is... Uh, Eric's explanation for how this first hour is, has come to be is kind of fascinating to me. Okay. Cuz well because I think he's watching it back and he's gone, "Man, I really wish I hadn't done that." But at the time he was like, "Yeah, we had all these, we we were just how and like I think the TV landscape changed. Mm-hmm. Cuz now you could not get away with that. 
if the first hour of Raw they never cut to the ring, it would be hashtag turn off Raw by minute 12. Right. Whereas just television's a little different and people stuck with it. Like the first hour, there was probably at least five commercial breaks. And people were just like, yeah, you know, I didn't watch Thunder last week. I'm not paying that much attention. <laughs> like, this first hour was all over the place. I mean, in hindsight, and and it's hard to, to kind of criticize the Nitro. Yeah, maybe it didn't work. But I got to respect the balls because here you got to think. Raw, uh, Raw was two hours long. Nitro was three hours long. You're not really head-to-head until hour mm-hmm. number two. Right. So now you're using that whole first hour that most likely people are not going to go back and forth with flipping the channels. Monday Night Football was not around. In this, I mean, it was around, but not mm-hmm. in this time. It was, you know, off-season. Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't blame him for attempting something new. It didn't work. But guess what? At least he tried. That is a lot more than a lot of, not just wrestling people, a lot more than what people can say in general. At least they tried. True. Um I would also point out... Okay, George! My, very passionate today. My you. big question for Eric, and I don't think he has an answer, so I'll bring it up here. <laughs> Appropriate. If, if, where Nitro was on this night, did everyone have a ticket that said 6 p.m. door, 7 p.m. bell? About. I'm kind of curious. And they sat there and watched it. I'll ask him, because I've been curious like this whole time. Like, What did you do for the... Are the people just watching the monitors? That's kind of like... I didn't go to a wrestling match for this. And like, like I, I, that feels like something you put on the ticket, 8 p.m. bell. Right. And you do one match at 8 p.m. to get them settled in. Unless they had dark matches. Because they've done ma- that sometimes. Well, that they could air the... We're going to ask him. Because we could, you could air the vignette to the crowd at a different timeline than you mm-hmm. air it to the world. And then True. you give the crowd dark matches. I'm kind of curious if he would recall. If he's even going to remember. But we will ask. Because that is what we are here to do. As are you guys. So make sure you're getting your questions prepared. Finally, though, there was something that Eric wouldn't talk about mm. on this episode of the show. I can't remember that happening at all previously to this, and we listened pretty close. I took pretty good notes. Uh, But it was in reference to a story that Conrad said he had heard about Sting kind of selling out the boys to his wife when he became a born-again Christian. He made a lot of confessions about some stuff that happened on the road, which essentially didn't turn out too well uh, when his wife talked to the other wives. (laughs) Or so the story goes that Eric would not confirm or deny. Pleads the fifth a lot, specifically about Sting. Yeah, he especially about this topic. I don't think he's really gone into detail the way he explained it on this episode, but he has mentioned at times, uh, maybe even here, where we talked about Sting and he was go- he was going through a lot when you know obviously the whole not tanning and, and all that jazz. But like there was a lot of stuff where that gets brought up where heard he's going through a divorce, and I heard I, I think he mentioned as Sting never really publicly mentioned it, so it's not really Eric's place to kind of comment on it. So right. yeah, well because he. he Eric is free to reveal things about himself, his life, his career on this show that may not have been out there publicly. If it's something that he knows that he knows isn't out there or that Sting may not want out there, that it's not his place to say. Mm-hmm. That I think it says a lot about the wrestling business that he's. we've only ever heard him take a punt like this twice. Yeah. That everything yeah, else... He usually talk his way around it, sort of. It, well, talk At his least. way around it or... Conrad will read something from the Observer that quotes what's his face and is sourced three times. Where he's like, "I mean, well, if he said it, I'll weigh in." Right. Where it's like, "Well, I mean, if Sting never revealed that, it's not my place to reveal that. If Sting revealed that, let's talk about it." Teddy Corbin in the chat says, "Anyone get the feeling that Eric isn't as high on Sting as others? I feel like he he has a lot of respect for Sting, just in the way that he does speak about him um, more so than some other people. Respect I, is one thing." 
You got to respect the loyalty, though. Right. Like, when everyone else was going, you know, back and forth, it's like, Sting was the one guy that never left. Um, I'm trying to think, compared to how he speaks about, let's say, Hulk Hogan, I think there's there's something there that I think Eric saw, I think where there, there might be unmatched potential with some folks. Mm-hmm. Sting, there might be, like, oh, we, Sting was there for the amount of time Sting was there, and we got everything out of Sting. Right. That maybe that's where it's not that he's high or low so much as like, yeah, man, Sting was a really solid player that we didn't never didn't have, never worried about not having. He was always there. Mm-hmm. Well, I also want to make sure we touch on this before we get Eric on the line because this is more your area of expertise, Steve. Okay. Uh, Conrad teased some sort of a big announcement <sighs> that's happening at the end of the month. Is there anything that you can tell us, Steve? Any any scoop, any tidbits, any clues? Um, not on air. I will say if anyone is desperate to get to the bottom of it before the end of this month. Yeah. And which they, we are. And always. they know someone who has already subscribed to the eighty three weeks Patreon, mm-hmm. those people know. Ah uh, that's the cat how, that's is my way around it. Out of the Patreon bag. That is the 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 cat that they're speaking of today has been out of the bag on certain Patreons. Right. And that that's all offset. That's a very protective thing for me to say. Because I've been on a lot of emails for a very long time. And I don't know what people do or don't want known today. All right. Next question. <laughs> How do we get an invite to the Summer Shindig? Um, wait for the, I wait for the right moment to text Conrad. <laughs> but even then, like, we, we, we buy a ticket, show up just like everybody else. I mean... I think 150 is the number. I think we know Unrelated. a guy. Unrelated. Woo! I think we know we a guy. We know a guy? Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we know a guy. Not you, Steve. We, we know a guy. Yes, <laughs> y'all know a guy. We do. Well, you got, there actually were quite a bit of kind of juicy tidbits on this episode. Eric also talked about Eric Rowan, which was interesting, and how um, Eric worked with him a little bit when he was at WWE. That's some stuff that we don't always get. Uh, but I think it's probably time to bring in the man himself. Yeah. Agreed? Agreed. All right. Well, all y'all in the chat roll. We love you. Stand by for just a moment. We will be back soon with Eric Bischoff. Stay tuned. Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor's going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. Welcome back to After 83 Weeks. Joining us now is the host of 83 Weeks. I think you all uh, are pretty familiar with this guy. Hello, Eric Bischoff. Eric Yes. <laughs> We're catching them. How you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're good. It's kind of um, a feeling a little deja vu today, seeing you sit. Is that your old school living room? Are we back home? We are back home, thankfully. Beautiful day. It's about 53 degrees out and uh, wind blowing a little bit, but it's a, a beautiful day. Glad to be back in Wyoming. What could you not wait to do? Take my dog for a hike. Yeah. Mm. It's great. You know, hiking out here is great. You're surrounded by the mountains, you know, in the middle of the Rocky Mountains. And when the weather's nice and the sunshine, and uh, taking the dog for a hike is a big damn deal for me. Oh, she must have been so happy to be home, too. <laughs> She was thrilled. She got really excited. We got about a mile away from the house, and she started ricocheting off the inside of the truck. Mm. She, she was. 
Oh, we love that. Well, and uh, how was your trip to Los Angeles? Los Angeles was great. I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to swing by and say hi to you guys. My uh, Our daughter, Montana, had a full agenda for us <laughs> on Friday and Saturday, so we didn't really get a lot of free time. But uh, next time, I, I, hopefully I'll be in town soon. we got some stuff going on, so I'll take you up on it. Right, okay. So I was also pointing out to some folks who don't live in L.A. that Marina Del Rey, is, to, compared to where we are in Los Angeles, might as well be San Diego. It's a whole other city. It's a whole other city, a yeah. whole other vibe. It, it, it is, and it's funny because I haven't been in L.A. for, I don't know, a year almost, you know, in terms of just driving around and having to take meetings and get around. And I forgot, you know, <laughs> how long it takes. You know, where I live, you know, it takes 18 minutes to get to anywhere, you know, but um, in town. But, yeah, it's a, it's a whole different deal. You need to have an hour and a half no matter where you're going, no matter what your little uh, – GPS says uh, you need you need an hour and a half to get anywhere. Well, and my guess, Eric, is that you did a little business while you were here as well. Did you take some business meetings on Friday? I did a couple, uh, in- indeed. Were those ones that Hulk Hogan had to be available for? Because he wasn't on SmackDown. I have a whole conspiracy <laughs> theory. Uh, anything you'd like to confirm? <laughs> I know they had nothing to do with Paul Cohen, I can assure you. All right. Shot down. Well, in that case, then let's get to the maybe better and more accurate questions of our chat roll. But I'm going to let you guys kick it off tonight. I have a confession to make. Uh oh. No, it's a good one, uh, or maybe a bad one. Uh, I know he gets a bad rap in the past couple years, but I, I was a huge, ginormous buff Bagwell mark. Like, I, I saw him, and I thought he was just star in the making. I just have a couple questions regarding Buff Bagwell in general, because he got hurt. He was hurt around this time. Um, were you guys planning for, like, a big in-ring return for him? Or how did you guys view him overall? Like, was he a potential world champion in the future? Just how did you guys view him as, as a wrestler, as a superstar? You know, I think it's fair to say uh, most of us held Mark in fairly high regard as a performer. Uh, Mark was very consistent. He could get the job done. He could work a variety of different styles. Um, he could work with just about anybody. Uh, but I don't. I also think it's honest to say I don't think anybody that I'm aware of, other than maybe Mark himself, um, saw him as that upper echelon main event. And you know, when I say main event, you know, I'm talking about specifically pay per view main events. But more importantly, more specifically, I think, for me personally, you know, I think of a main eventer, not just someone who can wrestle in a main event, but someone that you can rely upon for three or four or five main events a year. Someone whose star is bright enough and whose box office is big enough that you can depend on it and, and book it, like I said, three, four or five times a year. Uh, not year in and year out. Certainly you have to give people like that, you know, a break and absence makes the heart grow fonder and all that. And they need to refresh their stories, all that taken into consideration. But I don't think anybody really looked at Mark at that level. Could you put Mark in a main event? Mm, Maybe depending on the opponent, the story, could you do it two or three or four times a year and bank on it? I don't think anybody believed that. Just a follow-up question. I know you were a part of, uh, this is maybe eight years ago, there was a WWE roundtable that you guys did. I know you were there, uh, Jim Ross was there, but he told the story about Buff Bagwell when he was in WWF that his mom called in um, to kind of call in sick for him. Did you ever have any of those kind of issues with Buff at all in WCW? Um, 
I didn't. Um, I'm certainly aware of them. And, and you know, Mrs. Buff, or <laughs> we call her Mama Buff, but that sounds really fucking creepy. Uh, um, you know, she was very active in Mark's life overall. And she was probably more involved than most of the roster's mothers uh, in his career. But it, it, it never was really an issue for me. Oh, I think that's sweet. <laughs> so we we spent a lot of time on this episode of Nitro, not in the ring, in the arena. And I, I have a question that I'm curious if you could answer, which is the people in the live arena during these three-hour Nitros where the first hour didn't have a live match, did they have a 6 o'clock bell time and sit through all of this, or were there actual dark matches paced throughout the vignette separate from what we saw on TV? No, there were dark matches, and you know some of these interviews were playing on on the our version of the uh, the Tron, if mm. you will, the Nitro Tron. Was that a thing? I don't even know. Oh, it is now. <laughs> uh, you had the Nitro girls there, as I said. So there was stuff going on. There were probably a dark match or two, maybe more. So we kept them busy. I mean, look, when the show opened up, the crowd was fired up. They were hot. They were excited. So I, I don't think there was any adverse effect. In terms of the way we formatted the show, it didn't seem to, to to me then, or certainly not watching it back, that there was any issue with the audience. Fair. Oh, yeah. We were dying to know that as we were listening. Well, Teddy Corbin in the chat wants to know, Eric, what are your thoughts on Rob Gronkowski signing with WWE? You got high hopes for his future there? Yeah, I, look, he's a great athlete, obviously. Uh, let's Let's state the obvious right off the bat. Uh, he's a great athlete, but he's also a great character. Now, I don't know Rob. I've never been around him. But I know a number of people who are very close to me who have. And all of them, you know, the first thing that they say when they meet him is, what a great character. You know, he's a larger-than-life personality. So, you know, you take a, a, a pretty high-profile brand uh, in Rob Gronkowski, and you acknowledge that he's a, you know, elite athlete. And then you mix in, you know, a high quotient of character. I don't know. Seems to me like something really exciting could happen there. Yeah, we'll have to see. Kind of piggybacking on what Steve mentioned about that first hour of Nitro. And I was kind of telling uh, my co-host right here that, that, you know, yes, it was a little experimental about that first hour. But at least you tried. Like, is that something that you kind of went back on? You know what? At least I tried. Yeah, maybe it didn't turn out as well as I did. But at least you experimented it as opposed to not. Well, first of all, it wasn't voluntary. You know, the three hours of Nitro was not a request on our part. Mm -hmm. It was a mandate on the network's part and on Turner Broadcasting's part. It was their attempt or their goal to get more bang for their buck in terms of what Nitro was. Nitro was doing so well. It was doing better than a lot of the movies and and other um, TNT properties that they put prior to it. So... Our numbers were better, and you know they they mandated it. We had to make the best of it that we could. So when you know when we say yes, at least we tried. Um, again, you know we tried because we didn't have a choice. But what I'm most proud of is the fact that we made it work. And you know you're now watching three hour Monday Night Raws today, for better or worse. You know some people would probably argue that it's worse. I'm sure there. Are, I'm guessing. I won't say I'm sure. I am guessing off the top of my head, that there are a number of people within WWE that would love to go back to a two-hour show. 
that's just a guess on my part. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, the e- economics drives that decision. Uh, Michael Mackey in the chat asked, um, if you got into any trouble with Terry Tingle about the funny angle where you were pimping women out to David Flair for a $20,000 reward, were there, were there any pushback from the network on that segment? Uh, there were conversations. <laughs> there were conversations. Uh, well, Jada Finn in the chat, um, he seems to be under the impression that Hulk Hogan was collecting royalties on merchandise that wasn't his own. Uh, something with WCW figures being marked as Hulk Hogan figures when they weren't. Do you know anything about that? Can you set that straight? Um, I, I can't really speak to any confusion on a manufacturer or a licensee's part in terms of how they label merchandise. I can tell you that contractually there was nothing in Hulk Hogan's agreement that provided him the opportunity to um, receive royalties on product that wasn't his product. So if a man if a manufacturer, and I'm guessing this is probably what happened, if the manufacturer or I should say the the licensee uh, somehow along the way screwed up in their supply chain, and Action Figures got branded Hulk Hogan merchandise that was in fact um, Marcus Bagwell, um, I can assure you that Hulk Hogan did not receive royalties on that merchandise. All right, I, I can actually know. I can actually speak to where part of this. Um, myth came in is from the consumer side the pos systems at a kb toys let's say isn't complicated enough as it is now to specifically say wwe seth rollins ultimate elite and then a big number so a lot of times regardless of who it was it might just say wcw or hulk hogan and that's like a manual on the retailer side so there are people with receipts that say hulk hogan when they bought a billy kidman and that's where a lot of this propagated Ah, well, you just heard it from the man himself. Set it straight. I love you, Steve. Thanks for setting us. <laughs> Something you mentioned last week, I just got a quick quick out there. Uh, Nitro Girl Shay was the hottest Nitro Girl, without a doubt. Um, I, I just heard it last week. You said it. Uh, also, <laughs> like, if you were given a serious, serious offer, would you ever go back to being a commentator? Because um, I want to say you sounded really excited about it on this episode <laughs> and trying to convince Conrad. It's I was going to ask the same thing, Eric. It, it, Jenny, it sounds like you would love to do it again. I'm I'm thrilled to death to do it in the comfort of my own home, wearing <laughs> my boxers and a t-shirt without having to leave my house. Um, have you asked any wrestling <laughs> companies if that was on the table? <laughs> there are a lot of pre-taped wrestling companies. No, I, I'm not interested. You know, it's, I want to be careful how I say this so I don't sound like an arrogant prick, um, which is really hard. <laughs> but I've been there and I've done that, and I I don't think that I could have the passion for it long term. Mm. You know, for a show, for a one-off, a special event, special occasion, special match, sure. That would be, be a blast. I would love to do that. I'd do it for free, depending on who it was. Um, but to do it long-term, you know, as a regular gig, nah. That, the, the disappointment is resounding in the chat. I mean, if you want to do more, yeah. You get sick of me by the fourth episode. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds like you guys... 
you guys would be sitting there for you know five minutes before you get on with me going, why in the hell did we talk to him? <laughs> I encourage him. God, if I hear one more word out of his mouth, my head's going to explode. I I do feel like the pivot might be more watch along episodes of eighty three weeks. That that would be that yeah. we get we get our fill there. Yeah, and I, you know I've got to be careful about that because you know I, the feedback I get on social media, you know. Some people really like the watch-alongs and other people really don't, you know, and I, I understand that because if you're driving to work or if you're listening while you're working and or or you're otherwise, you know, you can't watch along, you prefer to listen, which is what I what's why I like podcasts so much. You know, it's hard for me to sit and watch anything. I like to watch the news and there's a couple, you know, scripted series that I like to watch. But for me to sit down and watch much of anything, it's really difficult. But I listen to hours and hours and hours of streaming and podcasts every day. Um, because it's easy. I can go about my business and do that. So I have to be a little cognizant of how many of those we do. And honestly, I told this to Conrad two weeks ago that if we're going to do them, I want to think of a way on my, on my end that I can make them more fun for those who are not watching, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so, so that we're not relying so much on the video. It's why I slip into the play by play every once in a while when we're doing them just because I know people are listening that can't watch and I want to make it as entertaining for them as I make as is the watch alongs are for people that can. Oh, um, DM 87 TM in the chat, random subject during the Kane unmasking storyline when Kane chokes land Eric from the raw stage. Did that go as to plan? Cause Eric's landing looked very painful. Did that, did that landing go well? Um, nah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it did, you know, in, in the big scheme of things, it went perfect, but I've talked about this before. I don't know if I've talked about it on the show or not. I, I don't like to rehearse anything. I don't like to rehearse my in-ring stuff. I don't like to rehearse. Uh, I mean, even if I'm just, if I'm on the mic, I, I, I know, I, I think about what I have to do. I think about the content and the context of what I'm doing. And what I need to say and the points I need to get across and the story I need to tell. That I think about a lot, but I don't rehearse it because I'm a little superstitious about rehearsals. My brain processes information. It can go from a piece of paper to my brain to the audience or to the cable world um, pretty easily and effectively. The minute I start rehearsing it, it, it gets clunky. And I think that's because we talked about this here a couple weeks ago. I, I like to react to things when I'm on camera, I, and I like those reactions to be real and organic and, and natural, and I want them to flow naturally. And for me, whenever I've had to rehearse things, it's like, well, you do this, and then I'm going to do that, and then you say this, and I'm going to say that, and I'm going to move over here eight inches. And when I do it this way, it's like, fuck, that ain't real to me. I mean, I can't do that. I'm not a good enough actor. To, a good actor could do that. I'm not an actor. I'm a performer, or was. So the performer in me prefers just to process the information and deliver it in the way that it works best for me. Now, that being said, when it came to physicality, my superstitions were much different. It wasn't because I felt like I was a better performer if I didn't rehearse. I honestly believed if I rehearsed, there was a chance I could get hurt. And if I got hurt, it would fuck up the angle. So it was easier for me to risk the injury executing the angle and at least getting the business done than it was to risk getting hurt and have to rewrite a story or rewrite an angle. So 
superstition both ways, but when it came to physicality, um, I didn't rehearse because I was afraid I'd get hurt doing it. Um, you know, light walkthrough is one thing, but, uh, and as a result, I didn't rehearse the choke slam uh, off the stage with Kane and my bad choke, uh, Kane did everything as perfectly as he possibly could have done it. You are truly on the other hand, being the inexperienced non-worker that I was, Made the you now I tucked my head, so I got that part right. But the mistake I made is rather than kind of you know tightening up my shoulder, rolling my shoulders a little bit, taking it on my back like an idiot, I started reaching down to try to anticipate the floor, and I broke my thumb in the process. <laughs> but that, that's a little thing. That's like <laughs> that's like cutting yourself shaving in the morning for wrestlers. So do you have to no sell when something like that happens then? No, well, fortunately, I was taking a, a choke slam off the stage, so the more pain that I appeared to be in, the, the more realistic the angle was. So I was, I was a hurting some bitch. Yeah, but when so, you get backstage to the boys, like we've heard about times when Vince McMahon has been so hurt that he could hardly stand up, and no one knew it. Would did you feel kind of the pressure to act like you were fine because of what the boys put themselves through every week? No, I didn't. But, but I also didn't feel any pain either. I didn't know it was broken until the next day. Um, it was swollen. I thought maybe I sprained it or, or, you know, screwed up a ligament or something like that. I mean, it, it, you know, I could feel that I hit it, but I didn't realize it was broken. It was the night before, uh, whenever it was, I don't remember the dates, but I was flying right after the night after the show. Well, we did the show and then the morning after I had to fly home to Wyoming because we had our family reunion. It was in the summertime, big 4th of July thing, you know, parade, meeting people downtown, all that stuff. And I, you know, Got here just in time. To, flew in really early in the morning. Got here just in time. I was walking around shaking hands with people, and all of a sudden I was going, "Oh, oh man, that hurt!" Mm. You know, that's when I realized that I, it was probably broken, and, and it was. I went to the doctor and got an X-ray, and was walking around with a with a cast. Cool, good story. <laughs> uh, Michael Mackey in the chat would like to know what city was the hardest to get a reaction for WCW talent. Was there one city where you guys, when you knew you were going there, was like, oh, man, this is going to be rough? I think going to the Northeast in the early part of Nitro, you know, in WCW in general, uh, prior to 96, which was the turning point for Nitro, anything prior to that in the Northeast, you know, there were a couple of sections, exceptions. Baltimore was an exception. We did okay in Baltimore. Um, You know, when you get up around Norfolk and – you know, some of the, you know, the mid-Atlantic areas, we did okay, you know, because NWA had such a big footprint there. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you got outside of those markets and up into the Northeast, it became more difficult. Even Detroit and Chicago, until we got hot, it was like pulling teeth. Hmm, interesting. Interesting. Uh- I think currently Bruce Buffer is uh, one of the greatest ring announcers, but was there ever any talk of maybe bringing him into WCW? I know you guys use Michael Buffer a lot. Was he ever trying to get his brother in there? Were there ever any talk? I know you guys have Dave Penzer, but any talk with Bruce, Bus- Bruce Buffer at any point? No, and again, you know, contest is always king. You know, go back in time. We're talking about the, you know, mid-late 90s. There was nobody hotter than Bruce. Mm-hmm. There was no reason to go after, excuse me, after there was nobody hotter than Michael Buffer um, anywhere on the planet. 
So there was no reason really to pursue anybody other than Michael. And we had a great relationship with Michael. I loved working with him. I thought he really dressed our show up. I thought he mainstreamed us in his own way to that audience, which wasn't a hardcore, you know, dyed-in-the-wool professional wrestling audience. Um, and Bruce, I think at that time, was acting as Michael's manager. So Bruce hadn't even emerged as an announcer at that point. Uh, he was really handling Michael's business. Um, this question is from Mosin Kale in the chat. Your opinion on Goldberg not taking part in the WCW tour of Germany in 2000? And then the tag up was because he is Jewish, and I feel that tag up we know the answer to. You know, I don't remember the discussions. I got him trying to dodge the sun, guys. Yeah. I apologize. <laughs> set me on fire here hold on i'm going to take you a brief tour of the house i know i probably have my gimmick on so you can't see much in the background but hold on i'm going to move back over here and maybe now oh there we go looking good (laughs) it's a good thing this isn't a four-hour show um I don't remember the issues uh, that Bill had at that time. I'm not sure if it was because he was Jewish or not. It may have been. Uh, I, I can't really speak to it. All right. Well, on that note, uh, B.A. Barracus in the chat wants you to know that he used to have some pretty rockin' nitro parties on Monday nights, and I'm sure he is not the only one. No, he's not. There were a lot of, uh, a lot of nitro parties. When it started really getting hot, um, we were getting tapes from all over the country. And is that blurry for you guys? You still see me? No, right? you're good. No, you're good, yeah. I can't figure out where my head is. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Watching myself on this little monitor. Um, but there was a point in time when um, we were getting tapes, like from Brown University and Princeton and, uh-huh. you know, you know, pretty cool colleges. And, you had grad students in there doing shots and beer bongs and all kinds of other things um, and having a blast. So, you know, it, it got pretty hot for a while. <laughs> uh, Dick in the chat says he used to have pay-per-view parties and charge people three bucks a person. That is just good, good business. <laughs> good man. I like that. Specifically great business if you if you had that hot box. Right. Uh, well, we thought you'd love to hear that, Eric. Thank you so much for sitting down with us once again and answering all the fans' questions, all of our nosy questions. Uh, <laughs> welcome back home. We love to see you there. And uh, have a great week, because uh, we hope we'll see you again next week. You will see me again next week. I look forward to it. All right. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Bye, guys. Thank see you. Him. All right. Oh, good to see him back there, back at home in Cody, Wyoming, sitting back. Wasn't having a beer tonight, but I assume that'll be coming next week. I think the the daylight savings. It's a, beer is a nighttime event. Right. He's got some unpacking it's to still do. Still very much sun setting. Well, guys, I know we didn't get to all of your questions tonight, and I did want to mention several of you always want to know Eric's thoughts about not having been asked into the Hall of Fame. That's something we covered a couple weeks ago. You can go back and watch that. And also, he mentioned um, he's still a little upset about those comments Tony Khan made, which he (laughs) became privy to last week on our show. So if you listen to this week's 83 Weeks and you were going, what is he talking about? Make sure you run back and listen to our episode of After 83 Weeks from last week. We do have Eric calling in. 
every week. And we sure love you guys hanging out with us. You can also send in your questions to us throughout the week, too. You know, if you can't, come and hang out on Wednesdays. So, guys, where would they do that at? Uh, they can find me on Twitter almost exclusively. I am at Steve Kaufman. That is K-A-U-F. M-A-N-N, I am heavily involved in the pro wrestling YouTube space. And if I'm tweeting the link, chances are I'm involved. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes we have the breaking news that's right here yes! after 83 yes! weeks with Chris Olsen. You can follow me at G Hermosa, G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A, on all the social media platforms. Guys, I cannot thank you enough for joining us live. So more of you every week, and we love that. Please tell a friend, tag us, and you can always hit me up at Christy Reports. Please also check out the Wrestling Inc. Daily Podcast. You can hear me on Fridays. And what are they covering next week, Steve? They didn't Um, say on the show, uh, do you know? It sounds like they're going to call an audible, so I don't want to stick too closely to what the email says. Okay. A big surprise coming for us all next week. (laughs) But we will be here breaking it down nonetheless. So check us out. Out and we will see you then. Have a good week, guys. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 